Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor here at BikeRadar.com and the MBUK magazine. Joining me over the magic of Zoom, so apologies for any sound quality issues because we are all recording from home. We have Warren Roster, he is our Road Senior Technical Editor at Bike Radar and Cycling Plus magazine. How's it going, Was? Very well, thank you, mate. And we also have Ashley Quinn, and he's another one of our Senior Technical Editors on the roadside at BikeRadar.com. How's it going, Ash? Very well, thank you, mate. Excellent. What have you been up to, Ash? What have you been doing recently? Well, I'm just about to um, get started on testing for a new group test that will appear in Cycling Plus and across Bike Radar as well. Uh, Some interesting road bikes at a relatively competitive price point. I say that with a tongue-in-cheek because, you know, prices are ever-rising at the moment. Uh, in the bike industry but um yeah looking forward to seeing what your 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 less money can get you excellent some value bikes yeah uh yeah okay we'll go value ish value ish yeah okay it's a construct is value it's fine yeah it's absolutely fine (laughs) warren what are you up to at the moment uh i'm wrapping up uh, a few gravel bikes that i've got on the go at the minute um some quite quite different and disparate ones between them straight after that i'm kicking into a big um e-bike roundup but most currently i'm packing for a trip out to the states tomorrow to go gravel riding near the mississippi for a few days and also trying to work out because i've got a gig to go to tonight um of a 
uh, a fun Australian punk band called The Chats, um, and I'm trying to work out whether I go straight from the gig to the airport or I actually come home first. <laughs> have a shower. <laughs> have a shower is what I recommend, Warren. Yes, probably. There's always airport lounges for that. There it's is. a punk yeah. gig. You've, you've got to act at punk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How are you, Tom? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, um, I've just come back from Colorado, so I'm actually a little bit... Uh, a little bit jet lagged. Went to go and see the new Pivot Mac 4 SL, which is their new XC race bike. Um, but from a, a slightly more drop barred point of view, I am tapping away with my classified hub, which I'll be reviewing relatively shortly because they want it back. Um, so uh, that's uh, an ongoing test at the moment. So yeah, all good at this end. Thank you. Now, as you might have noticed, we've got two of our road technical editors with us today which implies that this is a road-based podcast and this is one of our tech Q&A's so as with all of our tech Q&A's this year we are focusing in on a specific topic and today's topic is road wheels and tires so we have a list of questions that our listeners have sent in via the podcast at bikeradar.com email address and we are going to work through those over the next half hour or so all right so we'll, we'll crack on with question number one Hopefully, this is a relatively simple one. There's, can I run my clincher tyres tubeless? Obviously, on mountain bikes, we kind of always did that for a little while until sort of tubeless became completely uh, dominant. But on the road side of things, are things different? Uh, in short, yes, they are slightly different in that, no, you can't run your clincher tyres tubeless, essentially. Um, the reason for that is that they're just designed differently. Um, okay. So a tubeless setup is designed to work with with smaller tolerances um and the reason for that generally speaking is is for the is for the seal to be established between the wheel the rim bed and the tire so in a clincher tire that was never a design priority so Mm -hmm. your bead will be generally speaking um a little bit sort of narrower a little bit thinner it won't fill the space between sort of the rim cavity and the tire itself properly enough so you could theoretically get some kind of seal if you put sealant inside as you do with a tubeless setup but it's not designed to do that so you're unlikely to get something that's sort of safe i would mm-hmm. say moreover you know you have clincher tire the carcass of the tire and the rubber compound isn't necessarily designed to be as sealed as a tubeless specific tire um, so they tend to be a little bit thinner so you're more likely to see a bit more air leakage, even if you do have sealant running around on the inside. But yeah, generally speaking, it's not a good idea, so don't try it. Right. That was pretty um, pretty quick and easy. Was anything to add? Uh, no, not really. I mean, obviously, you can use clinch tyres on a cheapest rim, but um, I'd never suggest doing it the other way around either. So they're, they're just too many variables. It's just not worth the, uh, not worth mm-hmm. the hassle or the potential for disaster. So I presume that this listener does have a tubeless rim and maybe using some of their previous non-tubeless or their clincher tires uh, is what's is, is there a much of a price difference in sort of an upgrade in inverted commas to a tubeless tire are they more expensive than a clincher or yeah they i mean they yeah they do tend to be in in, in most cases but um as i say you know if you're if you're running tubeless rims you can still run your clincher tires on there so it's not a case of you immediately need to replace those tires you can just run them until they need replacing and then you know make the switch mm-hmm and is it a switch that you would make? Dependent on what I'm riding, where I'm riding, and what size tire. I think anything above, anything 28 or above, I'd always go 
tubeless now. I wouldn't mm-hmm. even contemplate running a clincher. Just when you're getting into the bigger volume tyre, you've got more chance to play with tyre pressure, you know, to elicit grip or um, mm-hmm. add a bit of comfort, etc. But I would say if anything below 28. So if you're still running 25s, then, you know, a clincher with a with a lightweight inner tube, a latex or a TPU inner tube is probably going to get you very, very similar performance with no real, you know, no, or no detriment to weight or anything like that. So, sure. so yeah, I, I, I still now, although tubeless is beginning to take over everything i still think it's dependent on the size of tire you're running cool thanks for that all right then we'll move on to the next question which is should i be worried about my tire blowing off my hookless rims right so a hookless rim let's talk through those first because that's something that's seems to have become a bit more prominent in the road world in in recent years so first off i guess let's split it down what is a hookless rim and should be worried about your tires blowing off was do you want to tell us about hookless rims uh, a hookless rim, as the name suggests, just means you know it's a rim without a hook. Traditionally, um, all all bicycle rims um, have a kind of a a hook over at the edge of the rim. You know that kind of if you did a cross section of it, it looks a bit like a fish hook. So, and what that's there to do is to catch the bead of the tire into a, into a channel, which creates the seal, creates the the holding point. But if you look at any other kind of you know road or off off road technology out there cars, motorbikes, etc. the hooked rim is is a thing of the very, very distant past. Uh, and what a hookless rim um, has the advantage of less weight, arguably more strength, and also you're using the compliance in the tyre to create a create a tight seal. From personal experience, seating a hookless rim, a hookless tyre on a hookless rim um, is just infinitely easier than like first generation tubeless where you were trying to, you know, get something to seat into a, into a, into a channel they hardly ever play ball you know most people were that's when we were looking you know people were looking for big air chamber kind of so you could blast a load of air in quickly i mean you know i've got a compressor in my garage and that's all i used it for was was literally trying to seat tubeless tires because there was such a nightmare hookless takes all that away i would say it's opened up wheel design a lot more um it's made rims lighter yet stronger um so the advantages of hookless are, are just myriad. But off the back of that, worrying about a tire blowing off a hookless rim is it's no more likely to happen than it would on any other sort of rim. But with hookless, you'd need to pay particular attention to tire pressures. And now, if we're all thinking about how tire pressures we used to run them, you know, a decade or so ago, when it was you know triple digit psi's were king, you know, especially on a road, you know, you get yeah. I remember talking to time trialers back in the day then and they you know they were talking about well you need 140 psi in your tire you know yes. uh, uh, and it would be you know, now now you think about it it's that's madness you know tire pressure is something that that is critical on a hookless rim and it's a lot less than you believe so you know most really top quality hookless rims are sort of rated max at about 70 psi tops you know i mean and you're kind of some old pe- old school thinking would think, well, that's never going to be enough, but try it and you'll find out, you know, 70 PSI is in most cases far too much for normal road riding. And Ash, can you put tubes in with the rim or is it very much a tubeless specific rim? Uh, so theoretically, yes, you can. Uh, what matters is that you're running a tubeless tyre. So if you have a hookless rim, you must have a tubeless tyre because the, the, the bead of the tyre is designed to interact 
properly with that hookless rim. I would I would certainly not suggest that it's optimum. And uh, I know Warren and I have spoken about it before, where you know you're getting the worst of both worlds. You've you've got a, a heavier tubeless tire with a tube inside of it, so you're mm. kind of defeating the purpose of having one system or the other. I think so. It's probably better to come down on either or. So, but theoretically, yes, it is possible. If you were caught by the side of the road, had a puncture that hadn't sealed, you needed to put a tube in, you'd be absolutely fine, and you'd be able to get home on that safely. Uh, you'd still need to respect the same pressure limits because ultimately you don't have a hook there that's retaining the bead necessarily. And I think actually it's important. This question I've actually had asked to me personally a few times now, where I think the worry sort of stems from. Because cycling is a very traditional sport, and we see, you know, with the clincher setup, you have that hooked bead. It's a physical thing that's holding the hooked rim. Sorry, is holding the bead in mm. into the into the wall. So you've got that physical kind of knowledge that your tire isn't going to blow off. You know, with obviously as long as you're not silly with your tire pressures, it's not going to blow off because it's being held in place. And that sense of it being held in place kind of disappears when you've got a hookless rim because you don't have mm-hmm. anything to hold it in place um, it's the pressure of the tire pushing out against the rim that's causing you to get your seal and for it to stick in place but that's where the lower tire pressures partly come from from a safety point of view because if you ran crazy high pressures like you used to with a clincher setup you know you could see a, blo- a, a blowout so mm-hmm. you know it's it's kind of logic's competing against one another in that sense but no they are they are perfectly safe and uh, they're not about to blow out so long as you you know you stick to your specific you know pressure limits which you can find on the side of a tire or wheel manufacturers will tend to give you uh, limitations as well there or always opt for the lower upper limit if you know what i mean that's given between the two you know just for just for you for your own safety but you know as warren said those upper limits that they give you tend to be too high anyway for you know your optimum uh, riding efficiency and comfort you know those low we we, we I, I guess i'd be talking to the I'm, i'd be preaching to the choir by saying that you know you get lower pressures and therefore you have you know increased rider comfort and so on but actually that can also give you a faster ride overall as well there are there are a few complicated reasons for that but but ultimately you know you want to go slightly lower with your pressures so so yeah those limits shouldn't really be testing the upper limit of what you want to run on a hookless system that's for sure Sure. happy days all right then well we'll move on to the next question which is moving towards the center of the wheel uh and it's about herbs is a faster or smaller engagement angle better who we go to let's go to was uh it depends on what you're doing to be honest um i think most modern free hubs that angle of engagement you know which is Basically, amount of the amount of pole engagements it's got divided by three hundred and sixty kind of gives you that that angle. Most modern free hubs are pretty quick anyway. You know, they're sort of ten degrees or less. You know, when you get down mm-hmm. to the super super tight engagement, you know, they're kind of. I mean, I've had some hubs that are like kind of two and a half three degree engagement, so they're almost instantaneous. Now, on the normal road conditions, you won't notice. You know, ten degrees isn't a lot anyway. You you mm-hmm. won't notice any particular lag. You know, not unless you're, you know, you've got the ability to, to jump from putting out 100 watts to 950 watts in an instant, and you know you're one of the best kind of kickoff sprinters that, that, that's ever lived. But um, uh, where it does come into play, I think, is if if you venture in off road, especially you know like gravel, where you can be climbing up a loose surface, plenty of elevation, and everything like that, but you've got to make adjustments along the way to try and you know catch grip or whatever. Having that more instant pedal engagement, so you get no lag. Um, so you don't end up, you know, 
popping a foot down or whatever. I think that's where it's more important. But for general road use, most, you know, I haven't ridden a free hub for many, many years where I've gone, my God, this is like, this is so slow. It's, it's, it's <laughs> painful, you know, just doesn't sort of happen anymore. So yeah, yeah fast is better if you do more technical riding, but most, most modern free hubs are more than fast enough. Not to get too hung up on. Um, Ash, what's your favourite hub engagement angle? <laughs> I'm not going down into specifics like that. Maybe six <laughs> or seven degrees, possibly. No, I, I think I think Warren's absolutely right. Um, and I, I would I would say that on the road, the only time you're ever going to feel it is in moments of low inertia, where you're travelling really slowly on a really steep climb. So it's actually kind of similar to Warren's hmm. example when you you know you're climbing up a, a climb off road. It's it's kind of similar on road when you. You know, you can feel that instant kind of drive, but then as you're pedaling along and you've got a constant engagement with that hub and you're driving through the drivetrain, it actually makes no difference at all. Mm -hmm. uh, what could make a difference then is the style of free hub or ratchet system that you've got, um, a pull system, or you can you know, use ratchets as well. We could get really into the long grass with that, but you know, you could have different, you know, more points of engagement than just the single one as it flicks round. It's it's you there are free hubs and then there are really sort of high spec free hubs that can feel really great, but it comes down to more than just your engagement angle. Um, okay. so we might some brands don't quote engagement angles at all, although you can work them out, uh, as Warren mm -hmm. says. Um, others use them as a as a as a sales, as a marketing tool to say, hey, look, it's really low or it's great solid gravel specific or high performance low number some kind of low number and you think well that's great and you do tend to see lower numbers on higher spec wheels generally speaking but that's by no means guaranteed and no and by no means guaranteed of 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 you know wheel efficiency when you've got rotational weight to consider aerodynamics to consider bearing quality and installation to to consider plus mm -hmm. a couple of other bits besides including the road conditions and your tire setup you know there are so many things going on that I think your engagement angles are probably one of the last things you want to look for if you're really trying to separate the wheel set. And that's sure. my view on it. And obviously, when you get a smaller engagement angle, you tend to get a higher pitched buzz. So uh, let's let's quickly talk free hub noise. Uh, quiet hubs or loud hubs, uh, high frequency whining or a, a nice clickety clack. What's uh, What are your preferences? Go on, Warren, you go first. What's your favourite? I, I, I don't mind a click, but I don't like it when you get that sort of wasp buzz. It's just sort of, you know, riding, riding a bike is like this smooth, quiet, beautiful thing. And then when you stop pedaling, you, you're met with like you're being chased by, by you know, a gang <laughs> of angry wasps. It's just ridiculous. And it also means when, you know, when you're riding with mates, then you're not putting any effort in. <laughs> True. <laughs> so you go for a, a quieter click. A quieter, I don't want a click. I actually quite like, you know, a nice click. You know, the uh, sort of old school Chris King click's quite nice. But yeah, it's when it gets into that kind of, yeah. When it sounds like a straight-cut gearbox on a drag racer, it's like, no, why are we doing this? <laughs> Ash, what are uh, you into? Uh, I, actually, I, I quite like a deep-sounding free hub. Um, so off the top of my head, uh, Mavic's um, ID360 ratchet free hub system, generally speaking, gives a, a really nice deep-sounding 
noise that isn't too loud but sounds like you mean business in a funny sort of way but you could free freewheel without sort of drawing undue attention to yourself warren's absolutely right it's the most annoying thing in the world having an overly noisy free hub and all you <laughs> want to do is take a quick rest in a, in a pace line you know third wheel or something or freewheel just a little bit and everyone knows about it that's mm-hmm. uh, and also actually if it's if it's really really noisy it could actually shock people as well if you're really focusing and you know the limits of your effort or you're, you're really pushing hard and someone really loudly freewheels next to you you think you think christ what's that you know it it can actually shock you a little bit at least it has Mm. done to me in the past so yeah although that's a sign of a flashy wheel it isn't always a sign that actually that wheel is made better or it's faster or you know noise is just a byproduct um Mm -hmm. and technically speaking technically speaking noise is actually just wasted energy so um it's the noise made by idiots wow strong this episode is brought to you by state farm You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I am. Um, I quite like a slightly louder free hub, just because uh, it helps warn pedestrians who have stepped into my path on a cycle path that I am coming. So. <laughs> I'm willing to bet if they've noticed that you're freewheeling towards them so loudly that actually it's too late and you're going to hit them anyway. <laughs> Perhaps. All right, we'll uh, we'll move on before any lawsuits come through. How wide will road wheels get before enough's enough? Is 25 mil the upper limit? We'll see. Warren, how wide do you go on your rims? What's uh, This is rim width, internal rim width, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, and that's inherently going to be linked to tyre width and tyre volume. Yeah, I mean, one of my... Well, probably my favourite wheel of right now is is the 303 Firecrest, which I think you said on that's 25.4. Okay. Which just shapes up a, a 28 or a 30mm tyre, or even a gravel tyre, just so so beautifully you know you creates a really smooth shape i don't think there's any need to go any bigger maybe if you're you know if you're looking at pure gravel wheel set possibly you know something like the i think the 101 goes a bit wider than that isn't it 101 27 i think but uh yeah i kind of think that 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 25 figure is probably as big as you'll need to go again it really depends on what sort of tires you run you know if you're if you're if you're more of a fan you know of a slimmer tire you know if you're still if you're still running 25 26s then going to something that's nearly as wide as your tyre should be probably isn't quite where you want to be. You know, I mm-hmm. think, you know, when you're looking at um, most high-end road wheels, it's still around the 21 to 23 mark. We are only talking millimetres here, but it is all about how how a tyre feels on that particular rim. You know, there's, um, an, ov- an overly stretched tyre will feel harsh, just as a big tyre on a narrow rim, rim will just feel weird because it'll, have a shape like a light bulb and every time you lean into a corner your your bike will have sort of this two step where you'll lean mm-hmm. in and then it'll dip again and you get that kind of weirdly unsettling off balance so i think it's more match the tires to the rims that you're running or vice versa mm-hmm. ash any any additions to that um i'm with warren that some of my favorite wheels are wider i've got a set of reynolds atrx's that we tested a while back that i've actually started using 
a little bit more often for like my base wheel set. They've got a 23 mil internal rim diameter. They're great for testing wheel, you know, tires at around 28 mil that we're seeing these days. Um, it's most commonplace, I think, that people are moving to for the road specifically. That is, it, it, Warren's right. The interaction between that and the tire size that you've got is 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 really really important. Uh, likewise, I've you know, so one of my I think one of the best wheels I've ridden in the last, at least the last couple of years, is the NV SES 4.5s, which we've got a review on BikeRadar.com just recently, and they're 25 mil internal as well, and that offers just so much extra, so overall extra volume, especially when you pair it to a suitably sized tire. There's a little bit of, shall we say, discord in the industry at the moment around 28c tires on 25 mil internal rims um nothing nothing certain and set in stone but you know it it's looking like the etrto so uh, i'll forget what that's called the european wheel and tire organization doesn't outwardly recommend that you use a 28c tire on a 25 mil internal rim diameter anymore although it doesn't say you shouldn't specifically either Mm -hmm. at least i don't think it does not specifically so you know it when I tested my the NVs, I had 28C tires on there. I felt perfectly safe. They maximized the wheel, you know, those tires. But nominally speaking, they probably shouldn't be, they sh- you know, nominally speaking, they probably shouldn't be used with them. Now, you know, it really depends where you look at this. You know, NV make their SES tires, for example, they and they mark them up as 27, 29, and 31, as opposed to, you know, 26, 28, and 30. So their 29C tire fits perfectly, you know, because it's within, it's above 28, nominally mm-hmm. speaking, but actually it blows out almost exactly the same as a 28C Continental GP5000 STR. So there's nominal widths and then there's actual widths and your internal rim diameter does dictate what you get out of that. Now you can see anything up to around 31 mil measured width on a 28C tire uh-huh. uh, with such a wide internal rim diameter. And it's, you know, and that also depends on the pressures you're running a little bit as well. It really, you know, you're looking at the interaction between the two is 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 really really important. Insofar as whether or not we'll see whether 25 will be the limit that we go to, I think Warren's probably right for the road side. I don't see it getting much wider than that unless road bike frame design somehow moves forward again and enables uh, more width. Uh, to be sort of shoehorned into wheels uh, that's the reason why they've grown because we've had you know the simple example is move from rim brakes to disc brakes it's opened up the fork clearance and the frame clearance and it means that you can fit that kind of diameter in um, mm-hmm. so you know brands have pushed towards that it might happen again in the future it might not we don't really know at this point but i suspect it's probably the not the last time we'll see widths increase i think what you will find is that cheaper wheel sets and mid-range wheel sets will tend to start to get a little bit wider as well because it's usually the higher-end wheel sets, especially when you look at carbon road wheels, that tend to feature these really wide uh, diameters. Of course, all of this is different from external diameters, which measure to the outer point of the... External widths. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, that more kind of inherently dictates your aerodynamics and the interaction with the air coming over the wheel set. A good example is... Cannondale's latest, uh, I think it's, I think they're RSL 50s or something similar. So they're named similar to that. And I, I had those on my recent bike of the year, Super 6. Internally, they're not especially wide. They're on trend at about 21, but externally, they're really wide. While your internal rim width can 
help shape how the rest of the rim looks. In reality, you can you can have a narrow internal width, go super wide outside externally, and then just have a tire that's optimized for that internal width. But importantly, yeah. you tend to fit your tire to the internal width, not the external width. Although the interaction sure. between the tire and the external width does have some very small um, aerodynamic properties, as do hookless rims, as it happens. But you know, it's we're talking margins now when yeah it's not something most of us really need to worry about certainly not me anyway i'm nowhere near fast enough (laughs) happy days and very quickly was on the gravel front how wide do you think they're going to go well i mean we've seen gravel tire choice grow you know it it used to be that a 35 mil was considered you know uh, kind of the optimal gravel size now we're sort of 10 mil beyond that so we're up to like 45 so I think something like the latest generation gravel-specific wheels, you know, I'm thinking like Campag, Levante, the Zip 101. And I, I know I said I wasn't going to measure it, but I couldn't resist. I've just leaned down and it's 27 mm. um, and a little bit of change. So uh, again, I think it's all about matching a tyre volume to to the rim width to make sure that you're getting a, you know, um, an optimally shaped tyre. You know, I don't think it's going to, you know, they're not going to push out to kind of mountain bike width. Um because there just isn't the need for it, and most gravel bikes mm-hmm. can't take that capacity of tire anyway. But I don't, you know, if anyone is building a big kind of monster gravel bike, then they just use mountain bike wheels. You know. Yeah. So, so I think I, I'm hoping things have settled. Because mm-hmm. um, there's nothing worse than you know looking in my garage at you know wheels that aren't particularly old, and are still excellent. But looking at them, going, oh, they don't quite meet today's exacting standards. <laughs> what will I do with them? It's a first world problem. Give them it to me a first world problem. I'll have yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to our last question, um, which is, what's a quick and easy way to determine a good place to start with tyre pressures? Uh, go on then, Ash. Let's give, a, have a, give us a quick idea. Well, broadly speaking, most tyre brands, if you just bought a tyre from a tyre brand, they'll have some kind of tyre pressure recommendation that kind of matches to your weight. Rim widths are, play an important role in this, although some i i've seen i've seen tables that show you show you a certain rim width internal rim width i'm talking now Mm. to match with your weight and that particular tire um and i've seen others that just ignore that and say this is kind of the range you need to be in so it's not they're not always the most technically accurate uh tables shall we say or recommendations so and wheel wheel set brands also offer this. I know Hunt has. Uh, I've always used Hunt's one, for example, as a reference point for myself. And you know, this will depend on whether you've got clincher or tubeless as well. So, but you know, generally speaking, you'll have some kind of recommendations. Don't necessarily don't look at the minimum and maximum limits. That you know, those are extreme uses cases. And actually, to be honest, you, you're probably going to be somewhere in the middle of that. So you can't look on the side of the tire wall, for example, at the maximum minimum. Go for somewhere in the middle. And you can start there um, as long as you know that you're not especially heavy or especially light and, you know, you might be erring one way or another. Yeah. And, and then from there, it, it's usually experimentation based on the characteristics you want to you want to get. So like most things in cycling, it all sits on the spectrum. I'll use myself as an example. I weigh over 80 kilos um, and... I'll ride usually around 70 PSI, which is on the firm side, actually, for what you should or what you can be running, on, on, even on a road setup, um, hooked or hookless, or, you know, sometimes it's 68 because sometimes that's the limit 
that I that I see. But if I wanted a more compliant ride, I'm not having to worry about pinch punches in a, in a tubeless setup now. I'd probably be best advised to go down to sort of 60, um, mm-hmm. and there'd be some tyre brands and wheel set brands that would possibly argue that actually that would be more efficient for me anyway, whether you're looking at it from a, um, I can never pronounce the word, but a his, historist perspective where they have a tyre deforms on the road or, or simply through just rolling resistance, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are... There are a lot of factors at play, but it's all—it's just tinkering and trying things to, that, that work with you and being honest with yourself about what characteristics you want to see. Do you do you want that kind of classical, really firm, firm is fast kind of feel to your bike and you're willing to take the, the kind of potential downsides that come with that? Or are you happy to sort of experiment with lower pressures, see how, how much, you know, experiment with how lower pressures can actually influence how your bike rides um, underneath you? Because um, it can make a really big difference as well. If you've always found that road bikes are just a touch firm for you, it's amazing what lowering the pressures by 10 PSI and having a tubeless setup, or even 20 PSI on a tubeless setup, can actually do for you as long as yeah. you can fit them in. So, But yeah, you can start with the recommendations that a brand can give you, I think, and then work from there. Lovely. Okay, and then Warren, very quickly, before we uh, wrap things up, if your tyre pressure is too high... How is it going to feel? And if your tire pressure is too low, how might it feel? And if you if you're experiencing either of those, I guess you would then either drop or add a bit of pressure just to sort of experiment and tweak it, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, I would say for first off, I mean, in a kind of new new school way of thinking, there are a couple of really good tire pressure calculators out there. SRAMs is excellent for cheapest tires, and the Silker one will actually do it for for traditional clinches and tubes as well. But I would say, yeah, if you're running tire pressure that's too high um they can feel fast your experience is sort of thing where you you don't ever quite feel like you're contact with the ground it's like you're skipping across the you know especially right on the road you'll find that any imperfection in the road and, and the bike's almost bouncing so you're not maintaining that much contact which then has a bit of a detrimental effect if you're especially like when you're descending or cornering that that you just haven't got that feel of connection to the bike mm. conversely if you go the other way and you're running it too soft you know worst case scenario is you're you know, anytime you get an infection in the road, you'll get that gut-sickening feeling of, of your rim making contact with a very hard surface, <laughs> um, which, uh, you know, and, and then you immediately want to be stopping and putting some air in because damaging the tyre is one thing. Damaging the expensive wheel is, is a, another thing entirely. Uh, you know, I would say, it, it, you know, that with the advent of cheapest, especially, it, it is a learning curve because especially if you're, you know, a, a, a rider of sort of the long-standing that I have been you'd be surprised that the tyre pressures are significantly lower than you would have at first imagined, you know, with, with like SRAM's calculator, you know, I said like the 303 is one of my favourite wheels. So if I'm running the 303 with a 28 mil tyre and for my weight, which is, you know, um, 90 kilos, uh, it's telling me to run 63 at the back and 60 at the front. When it first used to tell me that, I was like, no way, that's far too low. But I've actually gone a bit lower than that, basically because a lot of the road surfaces I'm riding on are, pretty dreadful and so i just want that little bit more compliance so i'm running mm-hmm. sort of about 56 at the front and around 60 at the rear and i'm finding it you know fabulous yeah just yeah. so it's so comfortable grips always there not experiencing any more you know kind of punches or or, or anything else so I, I do think these you know the, the like pressure calculators or pressure advice advisors you know on that you can just google for are just a great jumping off point cool Okay, so yes, yeah, SRAM and Silka, you're able to find them online. 
Lovely stuff. All right, guys. Well, um, we'll wrap up here. So thanks ever so much for your insight and knowledge, as always. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with anyone else who you think might enjoy it. And if you do have any questions for a future tech Q&A, then email us. It's podcast at bikeredder.com. All right. Well, so thank you, uh, Warren. And thank you, Ashley. And uh, we'll catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.